MVP train is back on the tracks. Let's go. As they walk the strong safety up to the line of scrimmage, and he does come. Russ looks, throws back inside, ball is caught. It's Metcalf, who makes one man now, two men miss. 30, 25, 20, turns up field. They don't touch him. Touchdown, Seahawks. To another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast, the podcast for UK Seahawkers. Join myself as ever. Stuart Court is the preeminent uh, John King impressionist and the Marcus Rashford to my Paul Pogba, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm not so bad, thank you. Uh, in fact, I've had an excellent day. I had um, no one is going to give a flying about this, but that's fine because no one's listening anyway. But my uh, one of my eyes wasn't hasn't been ideal, and I've had the prescription changing my lenses. And honestly, like it's just the greatest feeling in the world. I feel like the uh, Monty Python. I was blind, and now I can see. A miracle, a miracle, guy. Um, it was only in one eye as well. It was so annoying. Um, like it even made the 49ers look vaguely passable at times. But uh, obviously now, when I put the new lens in, it would can see they are utter shite. So yeah, great. Yeah, there was there was uh, someone I used to go you went to uni with every time after about four beers every time we went out, the pictures just started to get really really thin eyed. You sure that wasn't an ailment? It's just too many whiskeys of an evening. I wish it was. I mean, that would have been a great way for it to be, but uh, we're starting at ten a.m. and I'm, I'm not oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. Boss, no, but. No. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this it's been a weird couple of days on the internet, and obviously, I've, as I said to you before, we just watched CNN for the last thirty hours, which is a strange experience for a number of reasons. But this week, we'll just go through everything that came from the Sunday night game. And I think I texted you Monday morning, maybe even late Sunday. It's like that was a fun game to watch and a fun performance from the Seahawks on pretty much for sixty minutes and on both sides of the ball for a change. Adam. Yeah, I mean, I love a humble brag, and uh, you, you've called me out, and Staten's called me out for my uh, the odd message with, with Cliff Averill, and uh, the, the best way I could say about how easy uh, a game it was on Sunday, I was messaging Cliff about why he wasn't on Sky and whatever, and we ended up, whilst the game was on, doing politics, family, cars, like just whilst the game was on because it was just such a breeze, uh, and you wouldn't ever expect... I actually said, isn't it nice that at this point in the fourth quarter of the Niners, we can talk about politics because this game is just so done. Uh, and I'm not sure that's almost ever happened for, let alone a 49ers game, but any Seahawks game to the point that people are describing the, the scenes of the election as just like any, this must be what Seattle Seahawks fans feel every Sunday trying to watch a game. Yeah, so I, I watched the game at a friend's house. One's a Rams fan, and one, the other one is a Niners fan. And when I walked in, the Rams were 7 7 with the Dolphins. And within about four and a half minutes, it was 28 7 to the Dolphins. So he quickly, and then obviously it will happen. But also on the same end, like the second half, we spent most of the second half. Up in, I think once Jimmy Garoppolo was just clearly just not having a day. We just just, uh, just spent the evening just debating what was the most what we thought was the most versatile food in all of the world, and obviously it's potato. But yeah, that's how we spent our night. So it was a weirdly comfortable evening, even though Nick Mullins come in and put two hundred and thirty-five yards up in prevent garbage time defense. Adam, it's an interesting question. I mean, I might I might say the egg for all the things that it can do mm. um, but I guess you're doing a lot to that and pr- the aubergine milk yeah well, I mean one of my mates said chicken so it's along the same mm. yeah I think I'm going to have to consult the rule book about the, the, <laughs> the use of the term versatility and what we're actually talking about but yeah, um, but yeah I mean well 
the, the general point of what you're trying to say is that the game was done by it about was. 11 p.m. And it was to the point where I think for the last five minutes I flicked onto Red Zone because the action was all happening in Chicago and Denver. Uh, yeah. And I just kind of let the SEAL game just sort of play itself out. Yeah, uh, Russell Wilson, as ever, will start as ever, everything Seahawks really should start with Russell Wilson. 27 for 37, which is a weird symmetry to what the final score was. Uh, for 261, four touchdowns. He was better than he was, obviously, without the mental mistakes he made in, in the desert. But again, it's a desert and cursing's happening that happened down there. But it, as DK Metcalf ended his press conference, that MVP charge is back on track. But he was... He was very, very good with a large thank you note, probably going to the locker with number 14 now, Adam. But the quarterback was what the quarterback's been through the first, most of the first seven weeks, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the quarterback, and also you might even say like Brian Schottenheimer as well. I mean, I'm just, you know, it, it, it's actually, if someone, I didn't check the stats, but I was thinking, you know, how many yards do you think Russell Wilson threw for on Sunday? It was four touchdowns, a couple of long ones, few long passes. I probably would have said like, 380 just out of instinct and you said it's 261 and something that's uh, jumped out to me quite a lot is that the the opposition to the, the let Russ cook brigade are like well we don't want him flinging the ball 55 times and you don't want to be throwing for 500 yards a game and but actually I mean the way in which they're calling these games uh, not only have they managed to find a way to unlock the quarterback which is what we all wanted to do I feel like they're doing it and just being just as efficient as they were as they always have been so that, you know, they found that balance that, that's really great. And I think that, that relationship between Schottenheimer and Wilson is going from strength to strength. And we're seeing just every drive is just methodical yeah. and efficient and has a purpose. Like they're, they're not giving up on second and longs and third and longs. It's just great to watch. Yeah, well, when they stay out their own way, obviously there's a couple of false starts. It was a hold again on one of the early drives. But yeah, when they stay out of the way, it's just like I wish that last couple of years where Russell Wilson doesn't seem to trust when receivers don't have any space. But Schottenheimer, Russell Wilson, and the, the receivers seem to be being coached into finding that little cushion, that little pocket of space. I mean, Todd Lockett is probably the best at it on the team mm. DK Metcalf's first touchdown came from him doing that and obviously they cut across and just made the 49ers look quite silly but yeah it's just like they are on they're in a groove obviously the second half in Arizona took them off, off it a little bit but I mean apart from that what 25 minutes in Arizona it's been exactly the same for seven, eight weeks. But 161 of those yards for Russell Wilson on Sunday went to what a few people, can't remember the names of these people, pundits, are calling the best receiver in the NFL, DK Metcalf. Decaling is uh, scaling up these uh, wide receiver rankings faster than he got through the 49ers defense on Sunday, Adam. Yeah, I mean, when LeBron James starts Instagramming about you, that's probably the moment where you realise that you've you properly made it. Uh, and he did that, the, the baby Bron moniker he gave him. Um, which you, you do realise just quite how ridiculous these basketball players are in stature <laughs> that DK Metcalf is called the baby version. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he was remarkable, wasn't he? I mean, that... that there's, there's Sometimes you watch sports stars like at their best do things that like well he is the only person that can probably do that on this pitch you know seeing it with, with, with Kane and you see it with the likes when you watch Messi and Ronaldo in the past and when he turned that corner even before that he had nowhere to go like it was going to be an 18 19 yard pickup and he just cut and turned that corner and 
there's there's probably not anyone else, maybe Julio Jones aside in the league that can do that. Uh, yeah. And that's a really scary prospect. Like you know, Devontae Adams, Nuke Hopkins are phenomenally talented receivers uh, and they can do stuff that DK can't, but they can't do that. And if you look at the way that they're scheming up and he is now running the whole route tree, which was something that people didn't expect him to do, the versatility option he gives you on that is, is frightening. Yeah, I mean, DK Metcalf is going to break a wide receiver screen one of these days and all those moans and groans about Daryl Bevel doing it for five, six years in Seattle are going to be long forgotten when number 14 gets the ball on one of those screens because he just look, I think Alex the court say he looks like a runaway train and every time he touches the ball but yeah the Julio Jones thing like a couple of weeks ago he scored the touchdown when he just got away from I think it was the Lions defence last week and he just he, he legitimately had a standing start Julio just left every single one of them for dead and Julio Jones is pretty much never he's probably playing like 45% capacity at this point of the season but it's just yeah he's he's just he's it's just ridiculous I mean obviously we saw all the targets the week before from Tyler Lockett Tyler Lockett only had four catches but as Pete Carroll said and Russell Wilson said when one of your guys is getting 12 15 targets on a day there's not a lot else to go around but like you you got to keep feeding him when he's getting it that good against a defense which we talked about Jason Verrett I'm not too sure what Metcalf and how often Metcalf was opposite him but this is the beauty having a legitimate one-two wide receiver combo for a quarterback who's playing as well if not better than anyone else in the league Adam yeah, I mean, I'm just the, the touchdown I've got in my head for DK that hasn't happened yet is um, it's one that like Odell almost mastered in New York, just like a quick slant from like the 20, 25 yard line that he just catches in stride and just goes 75 yards. And I've got maybe a small hunch we might see something like that this weekend, actually. I always feel that like when someone's star is on the rise, they have another week of it just going bananas. And I've got a feeling that DK could make uh, an ESPN top 10 play again this week with something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the one-two punch is just—it's it, the—it is the best that we've had, I would yeah. say now. The, yeah. the level that the two of them are playing at, um, I, I'm yeah. P- people always find it very difficult to say that what you're seeing right now is the best because there's always pining for for yesteryear. But I don't think that you could honestly say that you've seen two Seahawk receivers have a seven-eight game stretch. Uh, uh, the level that these two have it, it's been remarkable and yeah, I would imagine the stats and yards bear that out yeah uh, so far on the season Lockett and Metcalf combined for 85 catches 1255 yards and 14 touchdowns and there are nine games left in the 2020 regular season it's just remarkable produ- production and to be honest it's not like they're doing it all themselves because what future Hall of Famer Adam has a perfect quarterback rating when targeted this year I think his name rhymes with Schmavish more. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure how that goes, but yeah, I mean, but he has been a brilliant third receiver, and like, who, who was it that? Um, I think even our guest last week, Mark, Mark Hunter, was the guy that you know just out, out of nowhere said, you know, David Moore has been really good, and it, it was amazing to me that he's kind of the player that you just wouldn't expect anyone outside of. Uh, outside of Seattle to even notice. But um, I think what he does is, is valuable because he's not a guy, he's a guy that you have to cover. Like you do ha- you can't just leave David Moore to do his own thing because it, I would imagine if you gave him 10 targets, he might get seven or eight of them for 80, 90 yards if, if he had to. Um, yeah. I've been really impressed with how he played. I mean, I, I thought that it was 
a strange amount of money to give him in the off-season. Um, and he's by no means the star in that one running back room. He's certainly making things tick uh, on the offense. Yeah, it's it's after after Ty Lockett a couple of years ago, we not uh, we're hesitant about the money we give here. Maybe we should just stop talking about the money these guys give uh, incumbent Seahawks receivers. I don't at this point. Uh, but there is one thing: field goals. I think it was tweeted a couple of days ago that the one you talked about yesterday, the one slight shame to the. DK Metcalf title rocket thing is that Metcalf was only really drafted as a drafted by the Seahawks at that juncture because Doug Baldwin retired and just even like six weeks of that trio would have been a remarkable amount of fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been I mean as someone that's currently living through the return of Gareth Bale to play with uh, <laughs> Kane and Son. It would be amazing if uh, maybe Doug could just lay some up for a couple of weeks in the playoffs and, uh, yeah. and have a few weeks because there, there is that nostalgia thing that you forget how much you love these guys and you know until they can come back and play. But um, I, I would imagine that the way in which Baldwin left his career, he's pretty content with. And I know he's not particularly keen on the football side of things and talking about it now, but I would imagine if you got him talking about it, he would be very happy to hear that he, what part of his legacy uh, is number 14 uh, in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's pretty much uh, On Sunday, Russell Wilson completed 13, all 13 of his play-action passes for 101 yards and two touchdowns. It's the most play-action attempts per next-gen without an incompletion by a quarterback in air game since 2016. Made it even more impressive when the guy who was the faking the handoffs to Adam was a fifth-round rookie for Miami, DJ Dallas. He had 23 touches on Sunday, 58 yards. And two, 58 yards is not spectacular, but two touchdowns uh, were pretty cool to see someone with such a big grin get his moment in the sun, in the Seattle sun on, on Sunday, Adam. Yeah, I and mean, I think when you've got a, a rookie fifth-round fourth-string running back, which he <laughs> probably is, yeah, like... Deep down, all you're really hoping for in that situation is that he doesn't let you down and that he doesn't yeah. fumble it twice and cause you problems. So the fact that he came into the offense and A, didn't kill you, is a massive plus point. And B, he grew into the game. I mean, you know, the way he split out for, the, for his touchdown catch and, you know, I think about DeAndre Swift in the, in the Lions game, uh, first game of the season, uh, when he had that ball coming, not exactly the same kind of pass, but you know, he, he obviously got a bit flustered by the moment and, and dropped it. You know, it was nice to see DJ do his fundamentals, catch it, turn up field and score. Um, and then, you know, he did get his, his rushing touchdown at the end. Um, is he going to be a superstar? God knows. But if you've got another guy you can plug in there who's not going to hurt you, um, then great. Did you, I, what did you make of him? I, th- I thought... I- I think Alistair again may have wrote that he that he didn't show enough to get ahead of Homer. I don't see it with Travis Homer to, to be quite honest. I think DJ Dallas is kind of he, he's he's more the pro size kind of thing. I know they trust uh, Homer with the pass pro and third downs and stuff, but I thought Dallas. I was surprised he only had 58 yards on Sunday to He looked better than 58 yards. Obviously, two touchdowns may have smudged the, smudged the optics on that slightly, but I'll be quite happy if it was if Dallas was the guy. Even had even backing up Carson if, if Hyde is out for any extended length of, length of time because I, I just think he looks good. I mean, obviously, like the stat line doesn't suggest, but the eye test kind of popped more than I think ever, Travis Homer ever has in the last 18 months. Had him. I mean, Homer for me is very much your archetypal, you know, screen pass, third down, 
past pro back. And for me, if anything, he will be like in a, without denigrating them too much, uh, Dallas and Homer would be like your sort of budget Carson and Penny. Mm. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't think it's, it's Dallas or Homer. I think Homer's the kind of guy, you know, you have screens and split them out and inside handoffs and good in pass pro and, and Dallas seemed like a bit more of a, a banger. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, Homer, I, I mean, Homer's not as good as JD McKissick. I wouldn't say, and he's not as good as CJ Procise for various reasons, but and neither of those made it. So, but you know, Homer's done, done a fine job for the team. Appears to be good on special teams, but um, yeah, I mean, Dallas yeah, again. If that's what you're going to get from your fourth and fifth round running backs, then I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, also, adds to the thing that maybe RBs don't necessarily matter. I don't know. With the decision coming with Chris Carson, I'm not saying let Carson walk because of DJ Dallas is nowhere near close to that. But yeah, his his beat his effectiveness on Sunday does not help. Uh, does not help that. Uh, or, yeah, it's it's not great for that kind of side of the argument. And if people want a proper Seahawks podcast, I spent five minutes talking about the fourth and fifth string running backs on a team which is throwing the ball more than any other team in the league on first and second down, Adam. Yeah, very much so. I mean, <laughs> one thing that is worth pointing out, you talk about play action. Um, you know, we have our, our moments when it comes to the analytics community, but I do kind of wince when I hear people say, you know, run the ball to set up play action because it's just patently not true anymore and just the, the mere action of handing off and I think to the point where in the Eagles-Cowboys game which I'm not even sure you can call an NFL game uh, from the standard of it but I believe that Carson Wentz ran play action in empty yeah. so that just that just shows that how little the, the, the presence of which a running back is in the running game uh, is important to play action because if you can hand it off to no one and still get a linebacker to bite um, obviously that, that's pretty indicative yeah, it was, it, it was wild. That was the same sport as what we watched from Central Infield on Sunday. It was painful for well, the first half was, and I gave up and decided to go to bed relatively early. Uh, Russell Wilson after Sunday is now 14-4 and four all-time versus the 49ers. The four losses were by 5, 3, 2, and 7 points. And 10 of the 14 wins, Adam, are pretty much blowouts. Uh, it's, it's, it's a weird level that this team kind of seems to hit against two, well, apart from actually against the Rams, but they seem to hit a different level against the Niners and Rams than they do the other team in the division. It's, it's quite weird how that works because if you think of Russell Wilson's time in Seattle, the time in the league, they've been the better of the, of the three, haven't they, those two? And But it's the other one that he seems to struggle more with. Yeah, look, it didn't hurt that Kittle was never really himself at any point during the game. Um, Jimmy G, you can have your views on him, whatever, whatever they are, but I would be fairly confident in saying that when he's healthy, he's at least as good a quarterback as Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins, maybe pushing Matt Ryan. Uh, certainly Ryan Fitzpatrick have all given, given the Seahawks fits um, this season. So, uh, you know, the, the, the injuries that the Niners suffered during the game certainly helped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I probably would have said to you that the only score I couldn't envision before the game was a Seahawk blowout. So it was uh, very nice to be proven so wrong. Um, mm. And the way they played, because it was, uh, after the, I, the first, I, I was five minutes late watching the game. So the first Seahawks play that I saw having come in from watching the Spurs stupid 7-15 kickoff was I think the full start on the one yard line that we had. And I thought, oh God, here we go. Yeah. Uh, and from, from there, it was an annihilation. 
Um, mm. And I'm not sure many people saw that coming. Did, mm. you, you didn't expect a blowout, did you? No, 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 no. I was surprised that we even took the lead, the six 0 yeah. Jason Myers. When, in fact, when uh, when when Hasty scored that touchdown, I thought, well. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 11 for 16, 84 yards, intercepted once, sacked three times before he left the game. And Nick Mullins come in for a quarter, not sure how, went 18, 25, 238, and two garbage time touchdowns. But the big, but one, one thing before we go on the defensive side, is Dwayne Brown the best trade that Josh Snyder has ever pulled off? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not great at analysing you know, it's, what, it's, what those guys do but A he's obviously solidified a whole half of the line for one yeah. and, and B you don't need to be a tape junkie to see when people put clips up of him you know splitting out in, in the run game and you know sealing off the edge he's been remarkable at that for, especially for a guy at the age of 35 he's 35 and he's what 320 315 like wait yeah Big. He's a he's a big dude. he's a big dude yeah he's but also like the, the only reason he I think he is the best yeah I think he is the best trade that the Steelers has pulled off definitely during the ones during the season obviously he's, he's the number one last week with Carlos Dunlap but it's like you need to do is just go back a few, before he got into town yeah. and just look on the like the game the starting list of the Seahawks and just look who was starting the left tackle before Dwayne Brown and like it looked like this was going to be his last year but like if if you can get him on a couple of years just maybe even do what the Rams have done for the last few years with Whitworth who's what 38 I think Whitworth is he's he's one of the best left tackles in the game it's a massively important position and in a couple of years where we don't have a first round pick so we're not going to get the elite of the elite at that position in the draft it might be a good way to go about it and just reward him for um, impressive 2020 thus far Adam well I mean there's a lot of people to pay this off season anyway and I would imagine that most people kind of assumed that Dwayne Brown would retire off mm. the next year you, you, you would have just kind of uh, yeah he still might he still might because his body is pretty beat up I'd imagine at this point yeah but, but I mean if he doesn't want to retire then you probably would give him an extra year year bump and that, you know, maybe that can actually help you with the salary cap the way you split it up with the cap going down next year which isn't going to be fun at all um, but yeah I mean he, he's now become a position where I think you kind of ride him as long as he wants to be on on any team, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. Um, move on to defence. I don't think I've ever seen the, the visual impact of a of an NFL player, even well, definitely not a Seahawk, being legitimately pissed off with how things have gone for seven weeks and then make, doing something comp- about it completely by their lonesome as number 54, Bobby Wagner. And he's already won NFC Defensive Player of the Week. 11 tackles, two sacks, four quarterback hits, and three tackles for a loss and just general mayhem caused. I mean, he, he clearly had enough, Adam, and he, he did everything he could to sort the defensive side of the ball out on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I find it interesting players' personalities and the mindsets of these top athletes, I'm always quite find it quite funny when people are critical of fans or whatever for for slating players on social media like it could hurt their feelings like the way these guys are wired and driven you just know that Wagner was just like injecting all of the uh the Fred Warner takes and you know 54 the changing of the guard of 54 and all this criticism about his defense and like uh-uh, this isn't going to happen this is going to change and you're right I mean there's it's almost as fun 
as watching Wilson throw moon balls as when you're watching Wagner and you can just see the kind of mood he's in uh, and he becomes just unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, he, he, it was remarkable. And I, I do feel we have, we say this once or twice a year, like, Oh my God, Wagner was just on another level. But mm-hmm. off the top of my head, I can't think of a more dominant performance that he's had than that one. It was, it was just insane in a time where his team really needed it most. It's- 2018 against the Niners when he had the pick six he was at that level it's also the last time he won NFC Defensive Player of the Week obviously had that uh, is it the sound is that the year from the sound clip with Sherman when he's talking about you look ugly and all that in his Niners gear but yeah he was he was on a different level as you know the inactive list on Sunday was petrifying to me no Jamal Adams no Chris Carson no Carl Side, no Michael Patty no Mayawa Mayawa and yeah, and there's Shaq Griffin. It's, it, but, I mean, they got 50 yards on the ground. Hasey got 12 for 29. Tevin Coleman got 3 for 20. He missed a lot of the game. McKinnon got injured early and finished the game with minus rush yards. It was just... It, I think that might have been the most surprising thing about because, obviously, the Seahawks winning wasn't out of the realms of possibility, but going for what they were for the first six weeks and then putting on what they did on Sunday on this offense, which for the two weeks before the Seahawks game, uh, before, before the, like the, the, the previous two weeks from the 49ers up until the Seahawks game is a lot more impressive than the last two weeks we've seen from the team who played this Sunday. And it, they just shut absolutely everything down until the scoreboard and the score and the game is in hand, Adam. I mean, the biggest compliment you could pay is that Shanahan had no answers in the yeah. run game. Yeah. And like he, ne- that's, he's never reduced to that. Yeah. Um, you know, he's destroyed Belichick last week, destroyed the Rams, um, both of whom you might say are better defensively than, than the Seahawks. If you had to say, you know, certainly before last week, you'd probably say, well, the Rams and the Patriots have better yeah. defenses than we do um, without going into any great detail on it. Um and yet they just look lost. I mean, the run defense in fairness has been elite, I would say, all season. It's, but again, apart from the two weeks before this game, because Kyler and yeah, uh, Edmonds ran for a turn, Darwin Cook and Madison ran for a turn as well. But yeah, but like, what, 60% of the season that's before, before Sunday. Yeah, it's been like six, I mean, Zeke only got 60 yards, I think it was, back in week three. Obviously, Cam Newton ran slightly all over us but that wasn't garish numbers yeah it's, it's it's been good but coming into the game and all the different ways Shanahan can attack you I mean a wide receiver did not have a rush yard for the 49ers on Sunday which is a rarity with Shanahan obviously Debo Samuel missed the game but they didn't put the ball in Ayuk's hand behind the line they didn't put the ball in Kittle's hands either it was just kind of whatever we were putting on the defensive side of the ball with added aggressiveness which was also a welcome uh, addition to uh, the playbook on Sunday, just it, it kind of just stumped Shanahan, which, as you say, is, is probably the most impressive thing from everything on Sunday, Adam. Yeah, I mean, run defense is kind of one of those things that almost similar to running the ball offensively. It's it's kind of scoffed at, like the idea that you would you, know, you prioritize strong run defense. But I almost feel like the the rest of our defense feeds off it in a way. Like they take yeah. so much pride in doing it that when that's going well, they almost feel they, you know, it, it improves the rest of it. Is that bollocks or do you reckon there's something to it? No, yeah, no, definitely. Cause it, cause like it forces them into doing the other thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Then you, you know, that's coming. So yeah. But like, oh, I, I, watching that Rams game on Sunday, 
six o'clock. The Miami Dolphins knew exactly what Goff and McVeigh were going to do before they did it. It was weird to watch how. I mean, the Rams, the Dolphins' defense isn't top 15 probably in the league but they knew exactly what was thrown at them just because they shut one aspect of that down and put the put the spooks into Jared Goff and they knew what was going to come and what was going to come was hilarious mistake after mistake yeah it's um it's funny I mean this this team you can have all the old tropes and criticize them for for you know old-fashioned thinking or whatever but they, yeah they just keep proving you wrong and and this season has been so much fun um, which is the thing that we said we really yep. missed the last two years. Like every game has been obviously a freak show to watch, but um, it's been so enjoyable and there's so much pride that you can take. And I feel like there's been real guttural touchdown celebrations this year, which maybe haven't been the last couple of years. Like, I feel like everyone's riding with this team and it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I think they've scored at least 25 in every single game. And uh, Sunday was, I think, it was the only second time they've uh, stopped the team scoring more than 25, uh, 26, 27 this season as well. So, yeah, the, the games are coming with points and offensive plays at certain junctures. But, yeah, it was like Sunday was a weird amount of fun, I think, which is obviously moving into the next, the second half of the season, which is usually where the Seals step into their own, Adam. Yeah, I mean, we're normally playing catch-up at this point and saying, you know, we've got to win this game. Whereas you know, there's quite a few games coming up that's like, it'd be great to win this game. Yeah. Uh, and that, that hasn't happened for... A long time. There's normally been a few stumbles uh, early on in the season, the odd road game that we leave thinking like, what the hell have we watched there? Um, and to not be in that position, um, I mean, the sky really is the limit with this team now. You, you know, you could make a strong case to say, you know, go win the next... Yeah, uh, between November and January, uh, from now until the end of the season, since Russell Wilson got into the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks are an NFL leading 50 and 20. And when you're already 6 and 1 moving into that stretch, as you just made the point, Adam, it's pretty a nice place to be, especially when you've just come off the back of beating. And it seems in certain ways. Uh, causing the 49ers to shut 2020 down ever so slightly because obviously Kittle was probably done for the season. It sounds like Garoppolo will be kept active until there's really no point in coming back. And then obviously they traded Quan Alexander as well. It's, it was a weird fallout that, down in the bay from this game for the, from the 49ers, wasn't it? Well, I mean, if you break it down, like the Bills haven't been great for the last few. You chalk that up as a game that you know, you, you reckon you can do well in. There's only really three games now the rest of the way with the, the other Cardinals game and the two games against the Rams that you're thinking, yeah, it could, could be, you know, tricky. Like, you know, if, they, if we just take care of business, you could be 12 and, uh, sorry, 30, what am I doing? 12, 12 and one with those three. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they play as soundly as they have done, it's not beyond the realms of possibility they could be 12 and one with the two Rams game and the other Cardinals game left to chop up. And, yeah, it's crazy to be thinking they could be in this position. Yeah, it's wild. And obviously we still got the uh, New York, New Jersey teams and the team from the nation's capital coming with whoever, who knows what quarterback is going to be playing for those three teams. But by And their seasons will be done. 
their yeah. seasons will be done by then as well. Yeah. So you know, there's not even really that much of an incentive to, you know, apart from putting a bit of stuff on tape. Um, it wouldn't stun you if all three were looking for new quarterbacks in the draft. So they may not want to, you know, uh, put on a show, to be honest. Yeah. Um, anyone else you want to pay mention to from Sunday? E- either side, any side of the ball, even the side line, maybe? Uh, any side. Who made the massive hit on Pettis? I think it was, what, for the football? I think it's BBK. Okay. It's BBK or Belor. I think Belor got the fumble. Belor definitely recovered it. I think it was um, BBK. It was BBK or Barton. I mean, that was a thumb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dante um, Pettis is uh, no longer employed, so that's how... No. Uh, yeah, he literally had the career knocked out of him uh, right. in one play. But you know, those role players, Belor, BBK, Barton, um, they're, they're doing a good job. Like, yeah. but, you know, They're not contributing to the... You know, to, to the offensive defense, but yeah, it's, we've been pretty decent on special teams, largely because of those three. I think have been you know much more aggressive than they've had in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Stefan Sullivan deserves a Stefan. I'm over you say seventh round defensive end, it's a guy that the Silks traded back into the draft for back in April, and well, not no, a, sorry, a seventh round tight end, I was say. NFL debut at defensive end, and uh, all the people who put um put his metrics and his measurements into the uh, computer machine, the internet machine, it just suggests that he could be a good fit for defensive end and. He played 22, 22, 23 snaps on Sunday, had the big tackle for loss on the weird-looking play early in the first quarter as well, and seemed to take all of Shaquem Griffin's uh, defensive snaps off of him, Adam, which is probably the most interesting part of all of that. Not that he got 23 snaps, but that he cut into someone who was seen as two weeks ago an important spark to a pass rush. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't stun me if in another world where Demontre Moore doesn't get done for PEDs that it's actually Shaq Griffin um, who's you know taken out of the roster mm-hmm. for, for Dunlap but you, uh, Sullivan had an amazing quote after the game he, said he, was dri- he was driving home just thinking like what the- I've just had my NFL baby as a defensive end and I think he said that he was so taken away by the thoughts that he forgot he didn't even have the radio on for the mm-hmm. whole drive back because he was yeah. uh, just in such a daze, uh, which is really cool, really cool, because um, he's got an amazing story in the first place. Um, yeah. So to see him, you know, have a moment uh, as a as an NFL starter is wicked. Yeah, I think six of the Seahawks draft class from this past year started on Sunday, and I think eight of them uh, did something in the stat box or box score or something like that. But it's it's. After a quiet few years of the draft front, this draft is already playing slight dividends in different ways, Adam. Yeah, um, it's been great. Um, you know, Kobe Parkinson got on the field for the first time this season. Yeah, there was the, the, the last kneel down was a rare five tight end set. All five tight ends are on the field at the same time. Yeah, that was a great shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, moving on. We, next up is the Buffalo Bills. Again, a game on Sky Sports. Six o'clock kickoff on Sunday. And to do to help us, help me, help us preview that, uh, I, I return a favour of the preseason when I jumped on the UK Bills podcast and chatted to one of their guys to give all the intel on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. First and 10, the Buffalo 17, Wilson off his back foot to the end zone. Jimmy Graham, a one-handed 
catch for a Seattle touchdown. Last year makes an incredible one-handed catch. Plenty of time left for Seattle in the half with three timeouts to the end zone. Graham tries for another one-handed catch and makes it. Touchdown, Seahawks. He's going to give the big man chances, and that's the second one-handed catch. And he maintains possession. That's a complete process. I wish he could dunk that over the goalpost, personally. Well, that was the 49ers game handily dealt with by myself and Adam. And moving on to the next week, the games come thick and fast in the non bye week NFL universe. And to help me preview the Bills game this weekend is one of the hosts of the Red, White and Buffalo Blues podcast. Uh, Alex, welcome to the Pedestrian Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So, so obviously it's been a bit of a weird um it's been a weird season really for the Buffalo Bills from yeah from, from the outside like a month ago Josh Allen was neck and neck with Russell Wilson and it's kind mm-hmm. of gone a bit weird when the Titans had a covid outbreak yeah <clears throat> that whole week kind of threw things into a spiral um i think that's i think Allen's performance right now is just an evidence of uh, a, a young quarterback uh, trending up, but also, you know, teams figuring out what he does well and taking that away from him. So now we need to consider what Brian Dayball, our offensive coordinator, and Allen can do to kind of get around that. Um, last week, I don't think is evidence of who Josh Allen is for the rest of the season. Against the Patriots, Allen had pretty low numbers, but he only threw the ball 18 times. So even though he had the one interception, uh, Diggs said that was on him. Uh, we know Allen didn't throw any touchdowns, but he ran one in, and the Bills as a whole ran two in. So that week was all about running the game, the running game. So I think with a balanced attack going forward is kind of what we're putting on tape. Uh, the play-action pass could be a thing to do against uh, your defense. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, the Seahawks defense kind of emerged from the from their slumber last weekend. But this is a, mm-hmm. a tough. I mean, this is an offense which, from the outside looking in, seems to be one that, when the passing game is clicking, is firing on almost all cylinders. It takes shots deep downfield, which was an issue for the Seahawks mm-hmm. uh, at certain junctures of the season. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys had three one hundred yards, one hundred yard receiver games back in week three when they had Dak at quarterback. Do you think that it's it's like a perfect cocktail for the Bills to get back on track if the Seahawks on defense slip up a bit again, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if this game was played on Madden via simulation over 100 (laughs) times, I bet you the majority would be really high-scoring games. Um, You know, your defense gives up pass plays. Our defense can give up anything that you throw at us honestly I mean respect to Russell Wilson DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett I don't see an opportunity for us to keep you under 30 points (laughs) so we're gonna have to have Josh go for 300 yards and a few touchdowns if we want to be able to stay in this game yeah yeah and I'm doing that obviously you mentioned Stefan Diggs Cole Beasley uh, John Brown is he John Brown's been on the injury report all season. Uh, injury report that came out today, he did not practice with a um, with a knee injury. And knees are pretty important for wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, he really hasn't hit the score sheet for a few weeks now. And um, if he's not 100%, uh, he's going to be re- supremely ineffective. So I would probably consider just holding him out 
which yeah. I, we might see on the score sheet. I mean, on the uh, on the in final injury report. Yeah, what what, what can, obviously Stefan Diggs is one of the biggest splashes any team in NFL made really in uh, in the off season. Obviously, the start of free agency with a trade over from Minnesota. What sort of impact and what sort of difference has he made? I mean, having a legit number one weapon for the first time in Josh Allen's young career, isn't it? Yeah, it's to have a guy who you can essentially stare down and still catch the ball is rare in the NFL. Uh, Diggs catch radius, even though he's not huge like DK or like a Julio Jones type, <clears throat> the guy can go up and get the ball. He can adjust at the final second. Um, he's targeted, I think, top 10, maybe top seven in the NFL, Diggs is, mm. uh, for all the wide receivers. So Allen looks his way early and often, um, but the Bills are more successful in the passing game when he's spreading it around. When... Uh, Diggs, Beasley, and Brown have all had five-plus targets. The Bills have won every game. So if we can continue that trend of spreading the ball out, keeping defenses honest, plus with the running game that looked well last week, uh, it's tough for me to say I'm confident because I'm kind of not. Um, You know, a lot of previews have been coming out, and we're about to do ours tomorrow. But um, for the rest of the season, I have us going 11-5 and but losing this game. So – Irregardless of Diggs' impact, because um, like last week he had over 10 targets, uh, 86 yards, but the passing game didn't look that great. Mm. So, but yeah, the most important part of, of, of answering your question is he's re- immensely important to Josh Allen's success. Yeah. And if those two can stay on the same page, we work everything else out, he's going to have a fantastic season on paper, Diggs is. Yeah, so Stefan Diggs has 15 more receiving yards than our leading receiver, DK Metcalf, 695 to 680. But Diggs has 18 more catches, which is yeah. just just kind of a testament to how wild DK Metcalf's season's been for the first couple of months. But outside of that, Zach Moss, the rookie running back, kind of emerged, you know, injured for the first few weeks. And Devin Singletary is kind of churned, if, if not really exploded, exploded so far in 2020. But Zach Moss certainly found somewhat of a groove against the Patriots this past weekend, didn't he? Yeah. So with, with Zach Moss, um, it's tough to say what he is because there's just not enough on paper. He had a real big splash game last week, but um, at the same time, Singletary was right there with him. Mm. Moss had the splashier day because of touchdowns, but Singletary had over 70 yards running. They, uh, I think 15, 14 on carries. So um, that's what the Bills' offense wants to be. Uh, with with more with more time, with more plays, if we can have those guys go for 76, 80 yards each and Allen go for maybe 250 to 260, uh, that's going to be a game where we control on offense. But um, the, the interesting thing and the thing that I like and I've always wanted is, is, is a team with two running backs. You know, going back to the times where we had Fred Jackson and Marshawn Lynch on the field at the same time, uh, you never knew what was going to come at you. And that's really what I think a strength of our offense is going to be going forward. If we put both those guys in the backfield and have Diggs, Beasley, and Brown on the field – then you you can't cover everybody, so that's what we're hoping for. Yeah, uh, Josh Allen's only been sacked thirteen times. For comparison, Russell Wilson has been sacked nineteen times. He's not actually they're both equally mobile. Josh Allen's obviously mm-hmm. a, a younger quarterback, obviously being only three four years into his career. But is that mobility helping the airline, or is the airline a steady prospect? Even though Mitch Morse is again in concussion protocol uh, leading up to the game this weekend. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, about the Mitch Morse concussion, he's had an issue with that in his career. Uh, and because of that, I'm really worried about his status going into this week's game. Uh, he's clearly on the injury report. He did not practice. Um, he was on the sideline getting some work in, so at least he's not just sitting around doing nothing. He's, he's out there with his teammates. But <clears throat> the offensive line has been Im- immensely important in Josh Allen's protection um, Allen is able to sidestep pressure very easily. Um, he will face pressure throughout a game, but his ability to avoid sacks by doing the small stuff. You know, early on in his career, he was out of the pocket way too early when pressure wasn't yet in his face. But now he's staying in the pocket, uh, facing down pressure, uh, a little sidestep here and there. It, it's more Brady-esque, honestly, than it is Russell Wilson, where Russell Wilson likes to go out there like a, a basketball point card and just <laughs> run around in circles and stuff. He does crazy things. Allen will do that too, but this season more, I've seen him stay in there and just kind of bounce around the pocket, not not get not leave the pocket. Mm. And um, yeah, in grading our offensive line, much better in pass protection than they are in run protection. Yeah, uh, defense, on the defensive side of the ball, there's some obviously uh, Chimay Ed- Edmonds is a really impressive young player at middle linebacker. He's, he's kind of in that Fred Warner new wave of middle linebackers. And then you, you got Trey White at cornerback and then Mika Hyde flying around at safety as well. There's some there's some players that the Seahawks and Russell Wilson are going to be scheming for and maybe in Trey White's case, maybe more than anyone else scheming to make, possibly avoid. Do you think that could be... Is, is that a benefit for the Bills on Sunday if they like scheme away from Trey White and give opportunities to Mika or Tremaine? I imagine uh, it, uh, Moore, is it David Moore, who's your yeah. third wide receiver? Yeah. I imagine he's going to have a really good game because our depth at cornerback is complete and utter trash. Um, if you, if, if Russell Wilson could target whomever Taron Johnson is covering, he can't cover in man coverage and he can't do zone very well. So expect something out of David Moore. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the names on our defense. And, you know, the 2019 Buffalo Bills defense was something to be very proud of. And in terms of the same defense, we only lost three starters. And I thought that we replaced them really well in Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler on the defensive line. But uh, our our third linebacker has really hurt us. A.J. Klum, just complete and utter disappointment there. Um, Micah Hyde uh, did not practice due to a concussion. He missed last week, and he did not practice. Well, sorry, he was limited on Wednesday. Um, I, we're better in the pass defense, but the running game is where we really get gashed because uh, our defensive line play and our linebackers. So if you could tell me uh, what's the situation with your running game and your offensive line. Well, uh, well our running game is – it. it it's somewhat up in the air still. Chris Carson, Pete Carroll said today that he's going to try and practice on Friday, try and get some, get some, get the cobwebs off his legs after two weeks of inactivity. But it's Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, two Miami uh, Hurricanes, ones in second year, ones a rookie. The O line is, I mean, Damian Lewis has been probably our most impactful rookie uh, so far for the first eight, eight, nine weeks of the season. So it's it's somewhat up. Um, in the air, but in the running game, if if if, Car- if Carson plays, I think the confidence level will go up mm. in Seahawks fandom a couple of notches. If he doesn't, then the way Russell Wilson's going to play, as you, he's 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 going to carry his team as, as far as he can. Mm-hmm. He's only had 
15, 20 minutes of bad juju and that was in Arizona and bad things always happen yeah. in, that, in that place for this for this team. But if 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 I think if Chris, if you see Chris Carson not on the inactive list on Sunday Sunday afternoon, then I, th- I think you can you can you could be fair to fair to guess that the Seahawks fandom's confidence has raised a fair few notches. If he doesn't, then it's it's a lot of it is going to be a rust with just kind of just uh, running DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, maybe even David Moore on a few end arounds. We saw that a couple of times against the Niners last week. But yeah, there's it's it's the the inactive list again for like the third consecutive Seahawks game is going to be it's going to be very intently watched by from this right. side of the on this sideline. I think. Yeah, I mean, even if you, I mean, it's typical to say in the NFL if you make an offense one dimensional, you're going to beat them. Mm. But honestly, we knew the Patriots were going to run the ball, and we weren't able to stop Cam Newton running, and we yeah. weren't able to stop Damian. Harris running. He went over 100 yards. Cam had a good game running. Thank God he doesn't know how to hold on to the football, though. Uh, last play of the game <laughs> with the fumble. But, uh, yeah, if we're able to stop the running, just like in Tennessee, we unbelievably were able to stop Derrick Henry, but Tannehill gashed us. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't bring a running game, uh, your, off- your, your passing game could probably still – be effective against our defense uh we have really no confidence all of bill's mafia has no confidence in our defense right now so uh expect a shootout but you know every time any pundits say look out for a shootout it's gonna be you know 17 12 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously six and two after the win against the patriots the first win against the patriots in i think since the alamo i think is what they were saying on red zone <laughs> on sunday but i mean it's Despite of the lack of confidence that you, the Bills fans may have in the defense, it's it's a pretty nice spot to be in, an unfamiliar spot in recent years. But mm-hmm. the Bills definitely hold the stronger deck at this point in the season, don't they? In, in the in the, not just in the AFC East, but they could be in the conversation if they can maybe stay out their own way a little bit and come come the end of the season for the top uh, upper echelon the seedings for the playoffs, couldn't they? Yeah, I mean, if we beat who we're supposed to beat and we lose who to who we're supposed to lose to, we're 11 and 5. If we can win one game against a team that we should lose to, yeah. you know, if we can make a statement win somewhere, maybe this week, maybe next week against Arizona, um then you're looking at a team who could probably compete for that top spot. Um Pittsburgh looks unstoppable right now, though, which is kind of scary because we have them in the schedule later this year. Um, we played Kansas City close. I mean, we were able to get within one score in the fourth quarter, but our defense just couldn't get the offense uh, back the ball to see if we can make a game-tying drive. So, yeah, I, I expect either the three or the four seed in the AFC East. It's going to come down to whomever the AFC South is in us. Uh, the tough part is if we get that four seed, we're either playing like Baltimore or Tennessee in the first round of the playoffs, which I don't want to do. <laughs> it's, it's, that's the thing about the playoffs. There's never going to be an easy win. You know, I mean, last year was probably the best opportunity against Houston, but this team is better than the team last year. So hopefully. Yeah. And it's, it's the exact opposite. And yes, because obviously the fifth seed and yes, they will play the NFC East winner mm-hmm. in inverted commas. So, yeah. um, but <laughs> So, so you don't sound overly confident f- before the game. What, what, what's your confidence, and who, who should the Seahawks kind of be wary about come yeah. Sunday evening? Because obviously, this isn't a team we, we haven't played in Buffalo for twelve years. We haven't played you for obviously, but you play you once every four years. So the knowledge 
Tomas Sola maybe not as full on as it is with the Niners and the rest of the NFC teams who play more regularly. So who should the Seahawks fans listening and watching key in on outside of the headliners maybe? Yeah. Well, I, I think that the reason for my confidence is because, I mean, look at Bill's history of the last 20 years. <laughs> I have that to deal with. So that, that, even though we've been successful for the most part of the last three years, it's tough to get rid of 20 years of pain. So uh, I'm carrying that with me. It, it's tough because you, you think six and two, you're like, hey, their fans are happy. We're not. <laughs> We're not happy at all because th- we expected we, we expected a top five defense in the middle of the pack offense. Mm. Things are flipped and it's just uncomfortable <laughs> because, you know, we, we know for, for on any given day, Josh Allen can, you know, have rookie year Josh Allen. But, um, mm. Yeah, a lot of if, – if there's any optimism, it's in Josh Allen doing something crazy fun. And um, so that's where we're at. Uh, for, for this week, uh, most people probably have it down as an L. But if, if the running game can have the same success, then that sets up play action. Throughout the first four weeks, uh, Allen over 10 yards was most successful on play action passes. So if we can continue that success, do kind of what we did against the Rams, have that same kind of offense. Again, it's going to be a track race, a track meet. I truly believe our offense versus your offense, uh, you know, the defense, uh, just get on the field and stand there and let the offense do their thing. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm always wary of calling Seahawks games, especially the early 10 a.m. starts on the road, East Coast, unfamiliar surroundings of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can just, I can kind of see a slow start, and I think that will kind of bog the scoring down somewhat. I'm not too sure what the over-under is as we sit here now. But, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's an uncomfortable place to go to for most teams, isn't it? Buffalo, obviously, not as uncomfortable as it could be in these, this COVID NFL season, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a tough place for a road team to get a win particularly when the calendar flips over to November, December. Yeah, where we are now with Buffalo weather is it, it, it's, it's before the snow, but it's super windy and you're going to probably get some rain. Uh, Josh Allen has struggled in elements. I mean, he's had his best games in Miami and stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, I'm really looking forward to next week in Arizona in a dome <laughs> for Josh Allen's situation. Yeah. But, I mean, in your last question, you asked, you know, you know, who to look out for. I mean, if you can shut down Diggs, you're essentially shutting down this offense. Okay. So, because I can say, I could say, you know, it, the rhetoric used to be, if you can pressure the quarterback, then you're going to be successful. But the NFL now, what I think Russell Wilson introduced to the NFL is quarterbacks who, you know, not like a Mike Vick, who's going to just run. It's a quarterback who can run and pass and only run when he needs to. Mm-hmm. So that's the Kyler Murray, the Josh Allen kind of type. So that's what I think, um, even if you get pressure, he can still do stuff. So, yeah. But if, he, if, he, if, he, if you can cover – on those scrambles, he's usually looking to Beasley in that situation. So, I mean, it comes down to your secondary. And, uh, I mean, I think that's been the weakness. So mm-hmm. uh, it's got to be exciting for a non-Seahawks fan to watch a Seahawks game. <laughs> yeah. defense is bad, which makes the <laughs> offense have to play better. Yeah, so it's it's it's. I mean, Sunday was a weird. We talked about it when we talked about the the Lions game earlier in the pod, where it's just it was weirdly comfortable. We were 
almost having different, completely separate conversations to the game because yeah. the game, although Mullins put yards up, the game was in hand. Um, so what was the score prediction for Sunday f- for this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. what, 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 what are you thinking a few days out? Well, I mean, I like how you said that you were at a comfortable one. We haven't had one of those all season either. <laughs> so this is probably going to come down. Maybe the Raiders game. because They scored a garbage time touchdown to make the score look close. But we dominated Las Vegas predominantly. Um, I would want to say probably 34-27 Seahawks. Okay. But uh, if, if what happens, if our running game shows up and Allen to Diggs cannot be stopped, then you're going to look at something a little bit closer, uh, probably 34, 32, something like that. Uh, I, I don't want it to be that high because I'm so <laughs> used to having a defense. Yeah. But uh, it should be a fun game to watch for non-fans of the teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's been selected for our, our TV coverage over here. It's like the third, yeah. third, third straight week the have been on. So Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I mean, we the Bills have been on, I think this is our third game as well. Anything yeah. that can get us more fans overseas yeah. is great. I mean, I'm from Buffalo. I moved to the UK. Joining the UK Bills has been fantastic for me. Yeah. Uh, really working the Twitter, seeing our follower number grow, go up. Yeah. Hearing people talk about Josh Allen is so exciting because we haven't had anybody exciting for quite a long time. Yeah. So it's really good. Uh, if the Bills win this game, then I think there's going to be a lot of respect coming our way. That'll be deserved. Uh, we criticized mm. our offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, and our defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, a lot. But if they could put a game plan together to beat a really, really good Seahawks team, then I think every – doubt that I kind of had any kind of pessimism I'm carrying today will be literally washed away and I will be over the moon uh, on Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's like the more torture, the more edgy I get. I, I, I think the Seahawks, I think the Seahawks are going to win 30, 30, 23. Okay. I mean, that's not, I mean, we, I think we give up at least 24 in every single game we play. You, you, know, you could probably we? count on our kicker missing one kick. He's a rookie. <laughs> He's a rookie. I mean, uh, against the Jets, where he was our only scorer, he went six of eight. So um, he's, I mean, he's that's good ridiculous. for a miss. Uh, he's good for one miss a game. Yeah. Uh, you just you know, rookie, just got to work it out. So uh, another really important bit uh, on our team to look out for, if you're going to watch our injury report, is Matt Milano. He's our you know. He's going to get paid this offseason. If it's not by us, it's going to be because we can't afford him. But uh, Matt Milano, our second linebacker to go out there with Trey Edmonds, um, he's the guy in the middle of the field that kind of makes the big splash plays. So uh, when you mentioned who should you look out for, of course you would want to say someone on offense. But honestly, mm-hmm. if we're going to stop you, it's going to be because Matt Milano has a fantastic game and because Micah Hyde can get through his concussion. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Mitch Morse one is sounding quite life quality of life concerning, isn't For it? Sure. With the yeah. um, so, so you mentioned you're from Buffalo, but you live over this side of the Atlantic now. How, that, how's, I mean, you and you yeah. do the podcast, uh, Red, White and Blue. Is it Red, White and Blue? Red, white, and blues, that's it. Um, the red, white, and buffalo blues. Blue, yeah. Buffalo blues, sorry, my apologies. Uh, so, I, I mean, right. how, how, did, how did that get started? And, that must be fun to like trying to just 
chat b- bills for yeah. an hour every week through Yeah, I mean it doing it in my uh in my group chat for my friends back home gets really tiresome with the thumbs because this season's been crazy up and down. Even though it's six and two, it feels like it's been up and down. Um yeah, well, so when I came over here I, I, I just looked up, try to see like a Bills backers group kind of thing on Facebook. I found the group. And uh, Matt was trying to get a podcast going. So he put out on Twitter, hey, who wants to do a podcast? And I was like, eh, no, yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> and, I said, and I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, let's do this thing. Yeah. So uh, it's, been, it's been really fun. You know, back before podcasts was a thing, I was, my cousin and I used to talk football, like really analytically. Yeah. And we were like, we should have our own radio show. And I know that makes it sound like we're from the eighties, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I was born in 86, but um, yeah, no, it, it's been, it's been fantastic. Uh, we've had a few gatherings. Uh, we got together for the Cowboys game uh, in London yeah. last year. Yeah. Uh, we had a really big turnout for the playoff game. Uh, so it's been really exciting. And hopefully, you know, whenever the hell we get COVID sorted, uh, we can have another uh, gathering and it would be uh, really exciting. Yeah. So obviously, with one thing that COVID has took away is the international games over in London. Yeah. And the the Bills, this game and the Miami game we played four or five weeks ago, they were the two m- mooted for the Seahawks yes, over for the second time, which is just um, rather annoying if there's any weight. Obviously, we'll never know for certain, but it's rather annoying if there is any weight to it because that would be – it's going to be a fun game. It would just be a fun game to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have been over the mood to be able to see my Bills. I was actually back home uh, twice this year for the Rams, once for the Rams game. And, uh, you know, we were not allowing fans in the stadium. New York State isn't. Uh, You're not either, are you? No, 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 no. No fans. I think it's just media. I don't think family are allowed. I think the Huskies, the college team, have announced today that the state isn't allowing families to go to the college games either. So, Are they talking about, you know, eventually getting around to that? Well, well, they they turned off. They shut it down for the first three games, and then they said there'll be no fans for the Niners. Um, but we don't. The next home game is not for a few weeks. So I guess they've got ten ten days, two weeks into side. But mm. I don't think numbers are coming down, dropping down enough in Washington right. State for it. So I, I'll, I'll be amazed if there'll be any fans in Seahawks home games in the regular season. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's really unfair or unfortunate that uh, some states are allowing it and some aren't. It, it seems yeah. remarkably unfair. Yeah, it's strange. Uh, it's, yeah. It, it's it's strange to watch over here because obviously the soccer, the soccer football, our football uh, is just completely empty apart from media and club staff. So it is it is very strange to watch, especially the college game as well, which is just yeah. when you watch Alabama or Clemson, there's just thousands and thousands of people. It's very weird to watch. Um, That's Alabama so, for you. So. Yeah. <laughs> So where where can people get in, uh, follow you? Maybe go you a little bit. Obviously, all in good nature and good humour. Uh, you and Matt on and uh, get involved. Maybe and listen listen to your preview of the game on your podcast uh, on the socials and everything. Absolutely. So uh, on on any podcast network, just search uh, the Red, White, and Buffalo Blues. On Twitter, we're uh, at UK underscore Bills. Uh, Matt and I do a really good job uh, on game day. Uh, he handles the angry tweets, and I handle the funny <laughs> tweets. So uh, if you want to come and, and, and talk some trash on Sunday, uh, I'll, 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 I'll say bring it on. It'll be fun. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, just uh, those two, uh, the Red, White, and Buffalo Blues podcast, and, and on Facebook, uh, no, sorry, uh, YouTube, 
Uh, we just started a YouTube page this season, and I've had a lot of really fun doing that. Yeah. It's uh, Buffalo Bills UK. On there is our uh, early season preview uh, that you and I did earlier this season, yeah. uh, the Seahawks uh, preview show. So that's on there as well. Yeah, that's that, that's that was a lot of fun during the preseason. Yep. It was the first time I think this this season that I spoke about the team. It was fun, and I watched the video, and I was rather impressed with the all the the, the work that got into it. So if, if people want to go and check yes. that out, maybe check your as I say, check your preview pod out as well. I definitely recommend that, and we'll we'll post it all up on our socials as well. One more thing, obviously, yep. the main one of the main people characters that ties these two teams is Marshawn Lynch obviously when we played last time in Buffalo 12 years ago he was a bill yeah but he's if he ever goes into the Hall of Fame it's more likelier to be as a Seahawk but I mean he's one of the more fun players that's walked onto a gridiron in the last 25 30 40 50 years and he what, what was he like to watch when he emerged out of college as a Bills fan. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the, the one thing that we can claim to fame is that we gave him the nickname Beast Mode. I think it was our, <laughs> I think it was our, it was yeah. our fullback at the time who uh, like drew a comic book uh, um, panel about it. Uh, so that was really exciting. Um, it's just one of those things where uh, back then the Bills front office was really just lost. I mean, why – draft a running back, you know, uh, or uh, deal with running back situations. Like you got a guy, you play him, you, we trade him. It's not like he was cooked. We traded him, I think for a fourth, he ends up playing, you know, some of the best football of his career. So we're like, well, we should have got more for that. But uh, you know, that's just uh, our inept front office. Um, but hell, uh, we still enjoyed watching him play. You guys are far enough away where we're never bothered by. Ch- <laughs> so, any success that Lynch had with the Seahawks, we were happy for. I mean, I think he only played you once because he we traded for him twenty ten. Mm-hmm. Was he gone by twenty sixteen? Must- you you were that was the uh, the game we played in Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah, no, the twenty twelve he played, but. It's, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think he, I can't remember if he played that. I was there in 2016 as well in Seattle. Yeah. I can't remember, but that was Tyra Taylor, Robert Woods going wild. Yeah, on Monday Night Football. But yeah, no, he's he's. Oh, what, that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we did a thing during the off season, rewatching our 2013 Super Bowl season, just mm-hmm. a few games, and watching him again in like prime is just it's yeah. so much fun. It's just yeah. different to anything we really see on the field now and he's just he just seems one of those good dudes uh, but yeah enjoy the game up to a certain point on Sunday massively yeah. appreciate you um, jumping on and we'll, we'll be we'll be sending bants as the kids say All over right. the socials on uh, over the weekend but yeah massively appreciate you jumping on Alex cheers uh, we'll see you in the Super Bowl so yeah massive thanks to the guys for jumping on and helping us preview the game are you confident about the game on Sunday Mr. Nathan yes I am I think my prediction is 29-18 Seattle, which is probably Scorigami. It's such a stupid I mean, scoreline. All 18 points of that come from the boot of Tyler Bass, the Buffalo kicker. My dynasty team will have more points than it's had in like three weeks this season. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm relatively cool. It's the first time the Seahawks have played in Buffalo since 2008. Eight years ago, they obviously put up 50 on them. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a quarterback for the Bills then in Toronto. And four years ago, Adam, we were in the stands for a wild Monday nighter two days before, no, the day before Donald Trump got elected in 2016. It's, I think we've said this before, that's my favourite, I think, that's my favourite Seattle game experience is that Monday night. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I was probably one fireball too deep <laughs> to uh, in, enjoy the flyover at the start of the game. Um, well, well, yeah, I, I mean, that well, was... Well, I watched a game with Will Travers, who was um, dosed up on things that are now legal in New Jersey, so... <laughs> Well, it's better than him being dosed up on, than on antibiotics the year before. <laughs> so uh, probably not. I'd rather, rather he was on that than what happened the year before. Yeah, no, but yeah, it was it was a wild. It was just it was Jimmy Graham, Tyra Taylor, Robert Woods went wild, wild. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. This Sunday's gonna be. It was the, uh, the Sherman against Dan Carpenter, the kicker. For yeah, Buffalo. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember that. I think he, he was offside and blocked a kick that nearly injured the kicker. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, that was, that was only four years ago. Yeah, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, right, well, quick spin in a bit before we uh, s- settle down for the weekend and continue to bask in the John King glow. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start this week. Whoever creates the stat line for quarterback wins should not be given one, although it's a very cool story to two uh, Tagovailoa, because he did not win that game on Sunday. They scored 28 points. He had 150 yards of offense. He fumbled the ball on his first, maybe second snap of the game. They only won that game because Jared Goff is garbage. At it's <laughs> all Jared Goff being Jared Goff. That is the worst. It, as I said, I watched it with a, a mate who is a Rams fan, and even he said, "Yeah, this is this is not good." They got to him. They got him on his back foot. They got him petrified with Emmanuel Ogbar and um, the Christian Wilkins, I think, the old Clemson defensive tackle, just causing chaos. And it was just like Tua did nothing. The only reason it was even a question in the fourth quarter is because the Rams defense just completely shut everything down that the Dolphins did. So, yeah, the quarterback wins. It should be quarterback loss. Like the quarterback wins should go to Jared Goff for Sunday because he was terrible. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I think you can chalk that up as something that we just love to see. Uh, <laughs> speaking of garbage, um, I needed 14 points in my fantasy team from Tom Brady and Mike Evans on Monday. Uh, and I just, I, you know, when this is pathetic, really, but when you can't sleep because you're just worried about your fantasy team. So I was lying in bed and I put game pass on. Um, put my head for earbuds in just to watch the first half thinking, well, you know, if we can just link up one touchdown as it happens, they did in the second half after I'd gone to bed. But I was unfortunately uh, privy to the conversation of the Monday night football crew about Antonio Brown, which was like a 15 minute weird conversation extolling the virtues and how Tom Brady loves him and this and that. And there wasn't even a murmur about his uh, indiscretions yeah. and character um, and, you know, ongoing NFL, you know, you know, legal action hanging over him. And I just thought it was piss poor. I mean, it's not a great broadcast crew at the best of times, to be honest. And I just thought the way in which they dealt with that, um, it almost made Brown feel like the victim. And uh, I thought that was very, very binworthy, to be honest. Yeah, it was very close to almost like Lewis Reddick didn't want to say anything which would harm his employment chances in the off-season, which he seems to be quite a weirdly hot hot name for GM and exec roles in the league. It did kind of uh, pound off that. And also, you, I, I wasn't really paying attention to the commentary to, uh, for the aforementioned uh, versatile food debate, but March 11th uh, caught your wrath a couple of times on Sunday as well, didn't he? 
Yeah, he said some weird stuff about how he loves players leading with the head. And I think you'll have to go back and check it, but there's a, there's a pass in the first quarter to Nick Ballor and he lowers himself and really go you know, crack someone. And it, you know, it's not, not an unfair hit, but Schleff said something about like putting a plate in someone's head as something like a fullback should be. I don't, don't want to misquote the guy, so maybe worth going back to check it, but it really caught my attention and just uh, it was particularly outdated. Um, yeah, I thought that was that was pretty poor. Yeah, Another thing that is not bin worthy, but I need needs to be discussed. I don't understand this, and I need someone to let me know how and why this happens. The Seahawks attacked the same end zone on the second and third quarter of the game on Sunday. They did. Yeah, and I just don't understand how that happens. I, 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 I don't know. I didn't think that could happen either. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen it in basketball. Happens and it's, no, but it, it's something that does happen. And I've mentioned it to a few people, like Dugar, like why does it happen, and not been given an answer. But I just don't understand because if you if you remember the first touchdown of the game well, yeah, with yeah. DK Metcalf, which, which yeah, was yeah, the last yeah, yeah. play of the first quarter. Yeah, it was the last play of the first quarter, right? Yeah, and that was to the right end zone on the screen. And yeah. then DJ Dallas's first touchdown was on the left, and that was in the third quarter. Oh yeah, but, and I just don't understand it, it, how that happens. Maybe it's a toss deferral thing. Maybe it must be. But someone out there, please, <laughs> please get in touch with us and say how or why that happens. Because I just don't understand it. Yeah, I, I one didn't notice, and two, um, kind of sad that I didn't because I didn't realize it frustrated you. So um, yeah, uh, that's I think that's everything. The MC East is still. Uh, just incredibly bad. Uh, Daniel Jones is should not be an NFL quarterback, and I think even Giants fans are starting to jump off that um, window ledge rapidly after Monday night again with a backbreaking or a couple of backbreaking mis- mental mistakes. If you want to get involved with the podcast, you can all them usual means and methods. And as uh, we on this side of the, of the Atlantic enter in the lockdown, just a reminder for everyone to keep safe. And if, yeah, just hopefully you enjoy the podcast and we can come be some kind of like 45 minute to an hour distraction as things could be getting on top of people as the nights draw in, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if there's any where we can help anyone out, give us a shout and um, get, we'll get you on the pod to have a chat with us to, to preview or review a game if necessary. But yeah, anything we can do to help anyone out in this time, it's um, not the easiest for everyone. So uh, if we can offer a little bit of comfort, then uh, that's what we're here to do. Yeah, uh, enjoy the game wherever, whichever corner of the world you watch it from on Sunday evening on Sky Sports. And until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Oh. Um, man, Tyler actually uh, told me on the field, he was like, man, we got the best duo in the league. Uh, we feed off each other very well. Um, and then it, it doesn't help that, um, you know, when David and, Fre- and Freddie uh, Swain come in the game, they just bring that much more energy uh, to the field. So I, mean, I just believe that we got one of the best and closest uh, rooms in the league.